such a journey uh, getting here. Uh, if you guys, those of you who don't know, we moved here from Denver, Colorado. Uh, and so uh, we, we moved, bought a new home, and we've been getting settled in over the last month and getting the kids prepped for school. And uh, it's been a journey. Uh, we have a wonderful church family in Denver as well. Uh, and uh, it's just been, it's been awesome getting to know you in the short time that we've been here. Uh, you guys have welcomed us so well. I mean, this was the perfect picture of that. Uh, we feel loved and seen and supported and valued. Um, and our family does too. Our kids already just love you guys and love your kids, which is awesome. Um, there's a lot of kids here, which is wonderful. <laughs> Uh, and it's been, it's been a huge blessing. So thank you guys for welcoming us so well. Uh, we've really appreciated that. And so today, um, I'm going to get started with something that the Lord put on my heart uh, as I was praying about uh, what to dive into. Um, I was reminded of a time when I was, actually many years ago, when I was 12 years of age, uh, my dad invited, he didn't invite me, he took me. <laughs> he did, hey, if you want to come. No, my dad took me to a conference called Awake America. It was in Dallas, Texas. And if you guys are familiar with anyway, the Brownsville revival that was taking place in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, anyways, what, what they were doing there, God was moving. Uh, healings were taking place. People were coming to know Jesus. It was just incredible. The move of God and the spirit of God was there. Well, they kind of took the show on the road in a sense. And so um, Steve Hill was the evangelist there. And and Lyndall Cooley was the worship leader, and they took kind of their crew and went to Dallas and met in this huge auditorium. And the, the idea was to awake America to Jesus and to the love of God and the power of God's spirit. And so my dad, who was passionate for the Lord and who I, I learned how to have a relationship with God by just watching him um, every morning, praying over our family. I got to memorize scriptures from him praying over our family every single morning, those same scriptures. And um, anyway, so he, he brought us to Awake America Steve Hill was there. Worship was really powerful. Uh, and this guy was preaching. I was 12 years old, and he was talking about the cross of Jesus and, and his sacrifice and, and how much he loves us and his blood that was shed for us. And, and, uh, and I just felt convicted. I felt the presence of God on my life, and I wanted to come forward. He invited anyone who wants to receive Jesus to come down to the front. And I, and I prayed a prayer to accept Jesus when I was like four or something, I don't know, and in uh, at VBS and things, but I just felt the presence of God and the love of God, and so I, I wanted to respond. So I told my dad, I was like, yeah, I want to go forward, you know, and, and he's like, okay, well, I'll come with you. And we went down to the floor of this huge auditorium and there was hundreds of people that came up front and we were all just kneeling down on our knees. And I just remember the presence of God just hitting me in that moment and feeling the love of Jesus for me in that space. Um, 
And I was like, man, this is, this is what I want. Whatever, whoever God is and Jesus is, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to know him. Um, and as I was a teenager, uh, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do as far as developing and cultivating a relationship with God. I knew I should read the Bible probably and, and, and pray and things like that because I saw my dad doing that. But I remember what I would do as a teen is I would put in this CD of, of Tim Hughes uh, and he had this song called Never Lose the Wonder. And I would play this song on repeat. I get up early in the morning and I play this song on repeat and the words of the song were very simple. I will never lose the wonder of the blood you shed for me. There could be no greater love than this through all eternity. So I'll thank you for the day that you wash my sin away. And I remember I would just sit there and listen to that song and just weep. I would just cry. And God was winning over my heart. And he was pouring out his love on me in that moment. And that's where it all begins. That's where it all started for me, was there, was hearing of the great love of God for me. And as far as our relationship with God goes and living in community and living on mission and seeing God's kingdom come to earth, everything starts with his love for us and receiving that incredible unconditional and unfailing love. It all begins there. So the title of my message this morning is Start Here. Start Here. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that um, it'll be your words, Lord Jesus, not my own. Lord, we want to exalt you. We want to know you. want to encounter you, Jesus. And so, Father, uh, open up our hearts to hear from you. Lord, and may your word bear fruit that remains. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be kicking off a new series this Sunday. Um, but before we do that, there's, there's a lot of vision that God's put in our hearts. And Katie and I, have been, we've been praying about this. This is something that we felt God calling us to do as far as pastoring a church for many, many, many years. Uh, and we're really excited to share all of that with you guys in, in the weeks and months to come. Uh, the vision that God's put on our heart for this church and, and how we can work together collaboratively to see God's kingdom established here in this city. And we're excited to see thriving relationships with Jesus, fully devoted and fully alive to God, uh, that our lives that are oriented around who God is, that we're led by the word of God and by the spirit of God, that we live out freedom and whole life transformation, that our hearts can be mended and fully alive to him, that we can experience authentic community and relationships thriving as we cultivate compassion and empathy and vulnerability and care for one another as we live on mission in the world to be witnesses for Jesus, to proclaim the gospel through personal relationships and practical expressions of Jesus's love, to care for the poor and the marginalized within our community, and then to answer Christ's global mandate to make disciples of all nations like Lydia uh, and the McAvoys are doing right now in Brazil. Uh, and they're answering that call. Man, I'm excited about all of that, all that God has in store for us, being one with him in communion with God, one with each other in authentic relationship and community, and then one on mission, united together to reach our city 
and to reach the world. But as I was praying about what to talk about this Sunday, um, God just reminded me this, I had this song, it's a lot of songs, I love songs, I don't know, but I had a song that was going through my head, it was called Jesus at the Center. Jesus at the Center. And before we embark on any endeavor, we need to lay the foundation of Jesus. He's, he's it. He's the big deal. He's the cornerstone. And I know you guys know that. I know that. But we want to revisit that and come back to that place of laying this foundation of a thriving relationship with him. And so he, he put it on my heart to start there. Uh, Henry Nouwen said it this way, life is like kind of like a wagon wheel. I think I have an image, too, that we can put up here. Here it is. Yeah, it's a beautiful image, you know, uh, really, really amazing artwork. Um, but this, this wagon wheel kind of represents our life. And at the hub, in the center, is solitude. It is our time alone with Jesus. It is knowing God intimately in a living and devoted relationship with him. And everything else in our lives flows around and orients itself around that hub. It starts there and everything flows from that place of solitude with Jesus. And then from there we have our community, which is like the spokes. It's the support of ministry. It's, it's being, we start with being fully known and fully loved by God, right? And then when we are fully known and fully loved by him, then we have the courage to be fully known and fully loved in relationship. Because God's got our back. We're secure in him. And so we can then reveal our hearts to one another. And be authentic about our struggles and our hardships and share life together in that way. So then we're fully known and fully loved by God. And then we have a community where we're fully known and fully loved in that community. And then from there we have the courage to go and love the world. And to reach the world. And that's the ministry. That's the rim of the world. The part that touches the ground. That touches the world around us. And it comes out of that natural flow. Solitude with the Lord community with one another, and then reaching out as one, as a community where we're supported, and we know that. And then we're caring for those in our world who don't know Jesus in that way. He said, uh, Henry Nowen quoted this, he said, so often in ministry, I have wanted to do it by myself. If it didn't work, I went to others and said, please, searching for a community to help me. If that didn't work, maybe I'd start praying. But the order that Jesus teaches us is the reverse. It begins by being with God in solitude. Then it creates a fellowship, a community of people with whom the mission is being lived. And finally, this community goes out together to heal and to proclaim good news. So everything in our lives revolve around Jesus and our relationship with him. Sorry, my mic is like pulling on the back of my head. Um, it's like someone's tugging at me. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but everything revolves around him. He is, he is like the axis. It's like an invisible line by which everything rotates around. That is Jesus to us. And that's, that's the name of this series. It's axis. Jesus at the center. We're going to dive into solitude and our walk with Jesus. And, and what does it look like? And how do we engage with God in a relationship that is fully devoted but also fully alive? Because how many know that we can be fully devoted and dead? 
where we're like just pushing through. We're like, okay, I'm just committed. I'm sacrificial. I'm faithful. I'm obedient. I don't like it. I, I don't enjoy it, but I'm just going to do what's right. I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to be right. And it just wears out our soul, right? And we drag our soul and our hearts through the mud of this devotion without life, right? So we can be devoted and dead, or we can be alive and apathetic, where we're like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm alive to him. I'm also alive to doing whatever I want. And I also, as soon as God asked me to do something hard, I'm like, oh, peace. I'm good. I'll just keep doing this over here. So we can be alive and apathetic, or we can be devoted and dead. But Jesus wants us to be devoted and alive. Where we are, we are affectionate in our walk with Jesus, and we experience his love and his presence in a living way, but we're also faithful and committed to his call on our lives to holiness and righteousness as well. So we're going to, the, the, the foundational verse for this series is going to be found in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 34. You guys will know this passage. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Devotion. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Jesus just, <laughs> close the door on that. <laughs> all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. That is a tall order. That's a lot. I mean, it's one thing if he's like, love God with your heart mind, soul, and strength. No, he's like, all of it, everything. Our entire lives oriented around him. So how, how do we do this? Because like I said, this is a lot, but I know also that God doesn't ask us to do anything that he's not equipped us to do, right? He equips those he calls. So he gives us the tools, everything necessary in order to do the things that he asks of us. Well, we see the answer here. In 1 John 4, 18 and 19 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We love because we are able to love because he first loved us. He's equipped us with his love, unconditional, unfailing, and he's loved us with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul, and all of his strength. And so he's equipped us with that love then to respond to him with the same love. He's poured that out in our hearts. 
So before we can begin that process and that journey, it all starts with knowing how deeply we are loved by God. Well, I can, I can talk quieter now because the, uh, the AC units are not flying. <laughs> I don't have to yell. It all starts with knowing how deeply we are loved by God. Think about it this way. Who was the first person in your life that you had affection for? Affection. Now, it's one thing to be devoted. We can, we can push through and commit to something, like even if we're not feeling it, right? We can do that. And I think we can have compassion on people that we don't know, right, because they're in need. But having affection, that's something that's cultivated in relationship over time. So think about it. Who is the first person in your life that you had affection for? Like you loved them from the heart. Now, for most of us, if we had good parents, it was our parents, right? They were the first persons that we, first persons, first people, first people we had, we had an affection for. Why? They first loved us. They loved us first. And then that, there was something in us that wanted to respond to that. God loved us way before we could ever love him. He loved us before we were born. That's crazy. <laughs> that he's known us that long. And he's loved us perfectly from the beginning. Another quote from now and said this. He said, this is where ministry starts. Because your freedom is anchored in claiming your belovedness. That allows you to go into the world and touch people. Heal them, speak with them, and make them aware that they are beloved, chosen, and blessed. When you discover your belovedness by God, you see that in other people and call it forth. It's an incredible mystery of God's love that the more you know how deeply you are loved, the more you will see how deeply your sisters and your brothers in the human family are loved. Understanding his great love for us is the first step. And what's amazing about this is we actually see it in Jesus's life. Like the one guy who might not need the extra affirmation. He's like, I'm God's son, so I'm good. But no, God affirms and confirms his love over Jesus before Jesus does anything. Before he has a ministry, before he heals the sick, before he raises the dead, before any of that, God confirms his love for him in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? He's like, you're the Messiah. Can you baptize me after I baptize you? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my Son, whom I love. And with him I'm well pleased. Jesus first comes on the scene. He has not done anything yet. And no one else even knows he's the Messiah, right? He's just an obscure carpenter guy. 
But God speaks from heaven before he does a thing in obedience to God. Before that, he says, well, he got baptized. But before that, God speaks to him and he says, this is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. God confirms his great love for Jesus before Jesus does a thing. And Jesus says that we are loved as he is loved that God loves us the same way he loves his son, Jesus. In John 17, verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And that love was there before you were born, And that love will be there after you die. It is an everlasting love. So what do we see in this statement? In this statement that God speaks over Jesus, there are four confirmations we see of God's love for us in this statement over Jesus. And it's for us, because remember, God loves us the same way he loves his son. So let's look at this. Number one, the confirmation that he is with us. God is with us with us. God makes his presence known. I mean, he spoke with a booming voice from heaven. That's, that's like one way to make your presence known. This is my soul. You know what I mean? Like that's, God is on the scene. He's revealed himself. Hey, I'm here. I'm with you. God makes his presence known in our life. He speaks to us. And, and, and you see that throughout scripture. Abraham, God's speaking to him and calling him, hey, leave your family and your father's home and go to a land I showed, I'll show to you. Isaac and Jacob had visions and dreams and God revealed himself, made himself known to Jacob to a place where he said, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. But God made himself known. Moses, the burning bush, God makes himself known and speaks to him in that way. You have Samuel, who was a little boy sleeping in the temple, and God speaks to him and says, hey, Samuel. And he makes himself known. God makes himself known to Solomon through dreams. Jesus, right here, God's proclaiming, this is my son. God makes himself known to us by speaking to our hearts. And many of you, all of you maybe, have had that experience at some point in your life. God spoke to you. He made himself known to you that he was with you the whole time. And maybe it was through a sermon or it was a book that you read or a devotional or something happened where God spoke to you in that moment and he made himself known. Hey, I'm with you. You're not alone. And the word of God says that. He says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Jesus says at the Great Commission, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. He is with us. And so if you've ever felt like you're alone, man, he's there. And he's not just with you. For those of us who know Christ, God is in us. The spirit of God literally is in you. How much closer can you get than that? Inside, you can't get closer than that. The spirit of God is in us. He is with us wherever we go. That's part of his love, his confirmation He's with us. Number two, he knows us. What does he say? This is my son. This is my son. He knew who Jesus was, even when no one else did. And he proclaimed that. He declared it. This is my son. 
He was proud of it. This is my son. He knows us. He knows you. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He knows you. He knows every part of who you are. Psalms 139 says that he's knit you together in your mother's womb, that he knows the very hairs on your head. They're numbered. That every moment of your life is written in his book, that every tear that you've cried, he's kept in his bottle. He knows you. He sees you, and he's with you. But he doesn't just know that you're his. He proclaims it. He makes it known. He's proud. This is my son. Hey, all you people there getting baptized, this is my son, Jesus. He's mine. That guy right there, the one that just came out of the water and the spirit descended like a dove, that's my son. God is so proud of us. It's like, it's like a parent pointing out their kids at a recital or something. You know, have you, have you had, I'm sure you guys have had this experience. It's so funny. We all do it, right? Our kids are up there and there's like a hundred kids in the choir. And a parent comes to us and they're like, oh yeah, do you have a kid over there? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, the, uh, let's see, he's a one, two, three, four, three, okay, fifth row. And then let's just see, one, two, three, 11th over, fifth row. You see, he's got the, he's got the hair. Uh, and the the blue eyes, you know, and the, and the person doesn't, they just kind of said it to be polite, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, but we all, like, are so proud of our kids, we're trying to point out, no, the big one, okay, no, not him, not, do you see that one? That's not him. No, he's the one that's up to the left of him, you know. We're so proud of our kids, we point them out. God does the same thing for us, because we're his sons and daughters, John 1, 12, through 13 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a, human's, or a husband's will, but born of God. He gave us the right to be his kids and he's our father. And Jesus even said in the Lord's prayer, how do you address him? Our father. We're made for each other to be intimate and to relate to him in that way. He knows everything. He's seen it all. He's been with you. He knows you. He knows us. And he is with us. And then number three, he loves us. This is a big one. (laughs) And you could teach about 20 series on this. But he confirms his love. He says, this is my son whom I love. He didn't have to say that. He'd be like, this is the son of God. Hear him like he did later on in the Mount of Transfiguration. Like, listen to this dude, you know? No, he says, this is my son. Just so you know, I love this guy. I love him. This is my son whom I love. God confirms his love for Jesus and his love for us. And he loved him before he had the chance to to perform. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. So this is how he does it. This is how we know. This is the perfect picture he paints for us to know his love for us, that while we were still sinners, uninterested in him, giving him the stiff arm, maybe even giving him more than that, you know, whatever it was, God died for us. Christ died for us. While we were rejecting him, he died for us. 
So if you want to know how valuable you are to God, just think about the price tag of the blood of Jesus, the, the only son of God, the prince of heaven, the righteous ruler of all the earth. His life, that's your value. That's how valuable you are to him. That you are worth the death of Jesus Christ. That's how much God loves you. Wow. John 15, 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friend. Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And we'll dive, we'll dive more into that as we go through this series, but there's so much there. God proclaims and confirms that he loves us. And then number four, he's for us, not against us. God confirms his pleasure. What does he say? He says, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. I am well pleased with him. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't healed anyone, raised anyone from the dead, preached awesome sermons, none of that. He hadn't done any of that. And God says, no, I'm pleased with him. He didn't have any trophies on the shelf yet. He didn't, he didn't even have participation awards. You know, I have a lot of those. I have shelves full of the green ribbons, participation awards. It's a real you know, self-esteem boost. Look, mom, I participated. So great. Anyways, he didn't even, he didn't have any of those. He didn't even participate yet. Nothing on the shelf. But God was pleased with him. He says, I'm pleased. And I, the same thing happens with us as parents. Like I was, uh, my son was playing football and I did the parent thing. Like, hey, you have a son on the team? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one over there smelling the flowers and rolling around on the ground. <laughs> But she like laughs. She's like, that's him. And it was just awesome. Like he was like, he was in the play too. He was just rolling around on the ground. That's great. He was, she was proud of her son. She was pleased with him because he was hers. I mean, think about it. Babies, right? They do nothing for us. Newborn babies, they don't do anything. They, they poop and they spit up and they cry and they try to end our lives by sleep deprivation um, and they turn us into zombies and, you know, all of those great things they do for us. Um, but they don't do a whole lot for us, but yet they bring pleasure to us. And you say, well, why? Oh, because they're so cute. No, they're not. <laughs> Newborn babies are not cute. I'm sorry. They're just not. Maybe once in a while you get a cute one, but they kind of look, they have the Benjamin Button thing going on. You know, they're like little miniature old men. You know what I mean? Right? So it's not that. And I, I, have you guys ever had the experience where you see a baby, or maybe it's your baby, and you know that your baby's not the cutest right now because they are in the alien stage, and people come up and they're like, oh, he's a baby. Look at his little fingers. Wow, they're so small. You know, like they don't, they're trying to be honest. You know, they don't want to lie to you. And that's when you know. 
That's when you know if they don't think your baby's cute, they, they say something about they look at their fingers, look at their little hands or something, you know. They're avoiding beauty, okay. But the point is, is that they bring us pleasure. Why? Because they're ours. They're ours. That's our kid. My kids bring me pleasure because they're mine. And the same goes for us in our relationship with Jesus. We're pleasing to him because we're his. We don't have to perform before God takes pleasure in us. He takes pleasure right now in this moment. He's taking pleasure in you. And he loves you. And he's with you. And he's for you. And he knows you. So this is, this is where we start. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says this too. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Listen to this. I love this. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God wanted to adopt us into his family. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Yes, you are my son. You are my daughter, and you bring me great pleasure. So we start here reflecting on the incredible love of the Father. And God's love for us is both alive and devoted. It's both affectionate and committed. We see it in the life of Jesus, man. He had affection towards people. Whether he was touching the leper or whether it was the woman who was caught in adultery. He says, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Whether it was him being moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes like sheep having no shepherd. He is affectionate toward us. And then he's devoted. Devoted all the way to the cross. That's the love of the Father. And this great love we get to receive freely. This was Paul's prayer for us. I'm going to close with this. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Wow! All the fullness of life and power that comes from God comes from knowing how deeply we are loved. That was his prayer, that we would know how deep his love is. Well, the thing is, is we can all say, hey, I know. I know God loves me. Like, of course. I, I mean, I was raised in the church. I've been in church my whole life. I know God loves me. I know it. I've heard a ton of messages on it. I get it. I know it. And, and it's true. And I know that God loves me, but there's times where I feel like he doesn't, if I'm honest. I know he does, but sometimes I feel like he doesn't, or I feel distant from him, or something's happened and I'm like, question it. See, we know here, but it says that we might know the love of God that passes knowledge. It goes beyond just cognitive 
that goes from the head to the heart. That we experience the love that passes knowledge. So how do we get from here to here? How do we get from mental ascent to an experience with the living God and into that place in our walk with Jesus? There's a difference between believing something is true and accepting that truth personally. There's a difference between believing something is true. That's like, God loves me. Yeah, I agree with that statement. Like mentally, yeah, I agree. That's true. I agree with that statement. But the question is, is it real? It can be true. We believe it to be true. But is it real to us? Have we accepted that truth personally? And that's, that's the breakthrough moment is that acceptance and saying, yes, I believe it is true, God, but I believe also this is real. This is the reality in which I live. You don't just love, you love me. And you love me in a personal and an intimate way. And you are with me and you know me and you're for me. And we experience a love that passes knowledge. But the question is, are we allowing ourselves to be loved? Because that's the battle. Because God loves us, and we can know that, and we can want that, but then something in us, our own judgment of ourselves, we say, no, sorry, God, I'm not going to receive that because I'm not worthy. I've made the judgment about myself. I'm not worthy to receive your love. I haven't done enough yet. I haven't performed enough. My life isn't right. It's not in alignment yet. I haven't made my way to the top of the mountain. So I'm going to stiff arm that. Uh, yeah, it's, I just don't deserve it. So, so no, I, I know it. It's great. Thank you. But I, I just, I don't deserve this love. That's the battle. Because God is constantly wanting to pour out his love in our hearts. The question is, are we allowing him? We are letting ourselves be loved. Listen, God is pleased with you right where you are right now. You don't have to add anything to that. Nothing. Right where you are in this moment, he's pleased. Why? Because you're his. You're his child. And if God says you're worthy of receiving love, then guess what? You are. Because truth is, is God's perception of reality. And if God says, this is true, you're worthy of my love because I said so, then that's true. Whatever he says goes. He's the one in charge. So we have to allow ourselves to be loved. So he loves you personally, your name. So the one thing I'm going to encourage you guys, the, the challenge, and I challenge myself too because this is the challenge in order to encounter God in this way and create that place where we receive love from him, my challenge is this, create some space, create space. And you might already be doing this, awesome, great. Create more space, that'd be awesome. Can never get enough. Just create some space. That's what a discipline is. A discipline literally is just creating space for something. So just create a little bit of room, and I'm not saying a room to perform for him. Not saying room to get participation awards or first place ribbons. I'm saying room to let God love you. And that could be as simple as turning on Never Lose the Wonder and just listening to it. Or turning on some instrumental music for five minutes in the morning 
and saying, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Just as simple as that. And God, I give you permission, Lord, to love on me. I, I receive that love. And it's just an act of faith. But man, when we do that in those moments, God answers. Because he is ready and he is willing to make his love known. So that's my encouragement to you today. Would you do that? Just create some space. Tomorrow, maybe tomorrow morning. It could be in the evening. It could be any time. Just take five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you want. And just create some space. But again, don't fill it with a bunch of religious activities though either. Just create a little bit of space. And if you already do that, great. And just say, God, I'm just receiving your love for me. Thank you for loving me. And let him just pour his love out. And then ask him, ask him to do that. So this is what I want to do. Everyone just can close your eyes right where you're at. I just want you to take a moment right where you are, and I want you to, to do it. Let's do it. Let's create space right now. We're here. Let's ask God. Ask God right where you are. Say, God, will you reveal your love to me? I need your love in my life. Just ask God, God, reveal your love to me. Lord, I need it. I need you. Thank you for loving me. Holy Spirit, right now, we just ask you to pour out your love on us. Lord, we need your love in our life. Lord, win our hearts over to you because you're so good. Even when we're not, you're good. And you've said that we're worth loving. So Lord, right now we just open our hearts to you and we receive your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go back into a song here. Uh, and if I could just have the elders and Katie, if you would come up, um, come to the front. Listen, we just want to pray with you. And it could be that you've been in a dry spell and you haven't experienced God's love in a long time. Or maybe you've had a hard time letting God love you for whatever reason. Or, um, or maybe you just need prayer. I mean, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be related to this message. You could just have an interview coming up for work or something's going on or your daughter has something that's important happening. Whatever it is, we just want to pray with you. We want to create space for that. So if you need prayer for anything, we're going to go back into the song. Everyone could just stand to your feet. If you need prayer for anything, we just want to take a moment and we just want to pray with you. So Jenny's going to lead us in this song and then we'll we'll close out. So but feel free to make your way forward for prayer if you need prayer as she sings.
presence in this place, God. You are so good. You're so worthy of our worship, Jesus. And Lord, we just ask, God, that this week, Lord God, as we go into our week, God, that we'll create space. Give us grace, God, to create space for encounters with your love. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you love us so well. Lord God, even in this moment, you're loving us well. You're so good. You're so worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for for being here today. Next week, we're going to continue in our series, Axis, and we're going to dive into how we respond to God's love going through heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's going to be super exciting. Uh, love you guys. I would love to chat with you. Uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I would. my wife and I would love to meet you. Uh, and we would love to, like, grab coffee, grab lunch with you guys throughout the week. Like, we want to hang out. And uh, we want this thing to, to be a family. We want to be a part of this church family. You guys are amazing. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week.